0: My live experience includes performing at Woodstock in 1994, supporting the Rolling Stones, R.E.M., Bon Jovi, Van Halen, Oasis, and Brian Adams at Wembley with my first band Delamitri throughout 1994 through 1997, followed by touring and playing with Marianne Faithfull, Sinead O'Connor, Sheryl Crow, Robbie Williams, James Morrison, Will Young, Squeeze, Lewis Taylor, Hamish Stewart, the Water Boys, Jeff Lorber, Trevor Horn, and Seal, among many, many more. Other experiences I've had include playing the 2012 Olympic Games opening ceremony with Mike Oldfield, being the house drummer on the BBC TV show The Voice for seven years, and playing on the Terminator Genesis and Mission Impossible Fallout soundtracks for composer Lauren Balf, also Kung Fu Panda 3, and The Lion King um, from 2019 for Han Zimmer. The main part of my career has been within the recording industry and over the past 20 years or so i have recorded 58 top 10 albums for artists including Cher, Seal, Robbie Williams, Billy Idol, Adele, Enrique Iglesias, Dionne Warwick and Rumor, James Morrison, CeeLo, Celine Dion and Ronan Keating. My discography also includes 18 top 10 singles and to date I've recorded 29 number one albums and 10 number one singles, which have featured, which have been featured on various pop and rock charts around the world. So, clearly I'm not describing myself, Mike Epstein, with this impressive biography. No, I'm sure you've realized that by now. I've just read the bio of Ash Soane. Ash is one of the top session drummers in the world. And over the course of almost 70 episodes for Speaking of the Arts, I can honestly say I was both more nervous and excited in preparing for this one than probably any other. You know, sometimes we're lucky enough to meet our own personal heroes and people who have had a strong influence on us, and how cool is it that when you finally get to meet them, they turn out to be even more generous and kind than you'd hoped for? Well, that was exactly my experience in speaking with Ash for this episode. We talk about his trajectory as a musician, how technology has changed both the way Ash records music and listens to it, how he prepares for sessions with major pop stars, what his process is for saying no and yes to projects, and a lot more. I really, I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Ash Sone. Well, Ash, what a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me, to be on our podcast. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's it's truly an honor. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan both. Uh, I'm a drummer. I'm also obviously a booking agent. I have followed what you do as a musician. It's, it's just mind blowing. So, um, you know, congrats well, to all. Yeah, congrats. To all of your, uh, my pleasure. Congrats to all of your success and everything. And, um, you know, a lot I want to ask you about, but I want to be conscious of your time. You know, I thought we might actually start our conversation with something I heard you say as part of another interview, or, or rather, it was a feature for the audience company. Yeah, uh, yeah. And one of the things you said in that was towards the very end, basically clean, cleaning up the uh, your your drums there, and you said, you know, it's fascinating that for almost a hundred years, the way we drummers approach this instrument hasn't really changed. That's right. But the technology has. And when yeah. you said that, I immediately thought of, do you ever have a chance to see the documentary It's called The Wrecking Crew?
1: No, I should watch it. I, I've okay. been told to watch it so many times <laughs> that I haven't. Well, you.
0: obviously you know what that's about, but for our listeners, uh, real quick, The Wrecking Crew is this wonderful documentary by, uh, directed by Benny Tedesco. Yeah, and it it's about the session musicians of the 50s, 60s, 70s in Los Angeles. This was the core group of musicians who backed Frank Sinatra and all of the biggest stars of the day. is the same group of musicians, record after record after record. Yeah. And so when you said that, for some reason my mind went to that documentary and the footage of these musicians uh, in the big studios that they had where they're all together, you know, basically these rehearsal halls, um, microphones everywhere. And I was thinking, wow, yeah, he's absolutely right because the fundamentals certainly as drummers hasn't really changed. Of course the technology has. And I, but, but the other thing I was thinking, and this is this will, I'm getting to my question is while technology has changed so much, the way we as listeners has also changed. Yeah. Right. And, you know, when I uh, first really got into music, I'm lucky in that there were still record stores and I would go A to Z every single record. And I'm a jazz drummer. So I was looking through all of the jazz drummers and jazz musicians and trying to figure out who played with who. So, Finally, here's my question for you. The way we listen to music has really changed, but it's, it's gone from listening to full length albums more and more to single tracks. So yeah. I'm wondering if you can talk about the musicians you're working with now, how has that changed your experience as a session musician compared yeah. to what it was like maybe 20 years ago?
1: Yeah, well, 20, I mean, 20 years ago, I guess it was still, it was musicians, a lot of musicians in a room playing together, you know, and and I guess 20 years ago, well, 15 years ago at least, I I was playing, recording a lot with Trevor Horn and Trevor comes from that world where it's like, he understands the magic that you might capture if you get multiple musicians together. Something just might spark that, of course, when it ends up on a recording, that's it forever. Right. Um, but, But you can't catch that spark if you've got, in a way, if you've got individuals playing you know just on their own to two backing tracks which is actually essentially what I do in this room most of the time you know I'm, I'm playing to, to tracks pop music now is you know so um, it's it's kind of it's very rare that you're playing with other musicians right I did I did something with Sam Smith uh, a, a week or so ago and that was a whole band with Sam which is that's pretty rare to be honest you know. Um, but funnily enough, it was it was a gr- the whole sentiment of the song benefited from having the musicians playing together with Sam, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know that producer in in particular, Jimmy Napes, realised that that artist is best when he when he's got musicians moving around him with with his vocal. Whereas some singers, it, it wouldn't matter really, you know, their performance would be a certain thing, and You can add something to that hopefully that's that's good but whatever you do in the room isn't going to change what they're singing whereas i think with with a with a great singer like sam um you know they are gonna change dynamically um whereas some singers won't
0: you know that makes that makes perfect sense so somebody was asking me the other day are people are musicians starting to record specifically to cater to the algorithms of Spotify? Are they starting to like consciously think about the way that system works, which is beyond me, Um, (laughs) you know, cultivating playlists based on people's listening habits over and over and over again. And are musicians starting to do that? And my answer was, I hope hope not. (laughs)
1: Well, I think there's no question that producers are. There's certainly producers out there that are looking at hit songs of the day and going, we need to do that. And they're, they're, I mean, I actually feel that producers like that are forever chasing their tail, you know, they're, or, or rather they're chasing somebody else's tail. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? That they're, they're, they're trying to do the thing that already exists, like you said, on Spotify. Um, and, you know, as always, the movers and the shakers are the ones that get the results in some respects, that, that dare to be different and dare to change things. Um, but I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, and there is a sort of algorithm, if you think about it, you know, Certain BPMs, um, certain certain keys. Yes, certain keys exactly. You know, and and I think you you know there's definitely formula, right? Certainly in pop music, without question,
0: right? Absolutely.
1: I hear I hear it all the time. You know, in fact, it's very very difficult to try and uh, often it's very difficult to do something new when it's like oh it's the same confines of a of a formula. Um, and and you 've still got to try and make that thing that 's happened thousands of times with thousands of songs sound different somehow it's like wow okay well
0: there 's an art to that for sure
1: i'll 'll try do this you know it's yeah exactly and it um so i think I think you're right and, and but getting back to what you said originally we 're still drummers i 'm still playing eight notes and a, and a, and two and four on pop music there's no right. question about that it 's how uh it's how it sounds, and you know, with the technology, you can make it sound a certain way. Obviously, now, um, which back in the day, people went for a great, a good sound, as good a sound as they could get in that room. Uh, certainly, with the wrecking crew, I think it's it, it, they weren't trying to make the drums sound like anything particularly uh, strange. It was like let's let's make it functional so this song works, you know, and make make the drums sound cool, you know. uh, um, And good, you know, good in that room. Whereas now we can do good, standing on our heads. Now what people are doing is like, can we make it different? How many times can we hear it? How many times can we hear it? And how many times, and it's still 4-4 if you think about pop music, very rarely Pretty much every song is 4-4. You know, if you think about that, that's crazy as well. <laughs> you know, sure. that, we, that we haven't, people have, exper- have experimented with 3 and 6 and 12, 8 and, and 7 and 5 and things like that. But predominantly pop music is in 4-4. Absolutely. So, so a 2 and 4 backbeat. So what can you do to make that different? And then it's the sound and the textures and the, you know, the ambience. That's That's the thing that people... I'm messing with it it's certainly what I'm messing with in my in my studio
0: yeah so so it beg's the question then how do you listen to music? Are you still if you can going for the full album? are you listening to tracks? Does it depend on what the job is how do you what's your preferred method of listening to music right now?
1: yeah, well, I mean usually the, the way I listen to, most of the time I listen to music is because I'm shedding something, I'm learning something like like I just said to you now um I've got an album next week, which can't mention who it is, but um, I'm listening to a lot of that person's music. Um, So that's, and I'm, so I'm actually, I'm interestingly, I'm learning the songs, but I'm also learning about uh, that particular artist and and the particular drummers that he used, some really great drummers actually, on the the original tracks. Um, So I, I kind of, the way I listen to music is dictated mainly by my work and what I'm doing, but also... You know, stuff that I'm really into at the moment, I you know, still obviously go back to the Beatles and all those things. They're still in my life completely. Um, but I love Chris Dave, you know, Chris Daddy Dave. I like the experiment, the hip hop guys that are experimenting, I like that. Um, I like the feels and I like the sounds that, they, that they're going for. Um, so that if I, ha- if I do have time to sit down and just listen to music at my leisure, I'll, I'll probably put something like that on, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. I was actually just listening to your, I got to pull it up so I don't, I got the name correct. Um, I don't actually know if this has a name. So this is a bunch of tracks, Tokyo Sunset, oh, a yeah, bunch that's, of vibes.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> my EP. So I was very lucky to, to, to be on uh, the Seth Meyers show with the band, you know, from here remotely. And the guys at Seth said, oh, have you got an album? because uh, Seth will hold it up and promote it for you. And I was like, you know what, I haven't. They're like, well, you know, you've got a few weeks. You could, <laughs> you could maybe get something together. So I, I scrabbled around and got some tunes, uh, some uh, things that I was working on, extended them, and kind of made it into a, a, a four track, I think it is, four or five track EP. Um, and it's called uh, 66991 because uh-huh. uh, I was looking at my, um, this is- Is that from, a speedometer? that's a speedometer out of a 993 Porsche. And I was just, I was just looking at it. And I thought, actually that's, and I was doing this to my friend, I was showing him like this on, uh, and I thought actually that looks quite cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so it ended up, that was, that's, that's what it's called, 66991, which is the, the miles.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's wonderful. Cool. Well, yeah. I brought that up because I'm not at all surprised to hear you say, if you have time, you're listening to Chris, Daddy, Dave, and, and yeah. drummers like that, because I hear, I can hear that in your playing just on this EP. That makes perfect sense. yeah,
1: so exactly. That EP is me experimenting with that stuff. But you know, I'm 52 actually this year, so- Congratulations. Well, I'm considerably older than than Chris Dave, I think. Um, If not, I'm certainly older than most of the guys that are involved in that genre of music. Um, And, you know, so for me, it's an experiment. I'm trying to, I'm playing catch up with them. I'm trying to learn what they're doing. With some of the feels and some of the sounds. And it, it's always fascinated me over the years. But if interestingly, my day job, you know, when I'm playing on most people's records, it's it's much more uh, traditional playing. Um you again,
0: come a, oh, sorry, yeah.
1: yet again, going back to what you said, which was not a lot's changed. I mean, I'm playing songs pretty much the same way I've always played them, you know. And a lot of producers, they're not saying to me, Oh, can you play that? that sort of swung hip hop groove. I'm not getting asked to do that, you know, I, it, sometimes, but very rarely, you know, so that's why I do it myself. <laughs> that's sure, why well, I've been making those grooves myself and putting some stuff out there.
0: But it's yeah. also a testament to, to who you are and the experience you have that producers trust that you're going to do your thing. And it's, it's probably going to be pretty perfect for what the song calls for.
1: I hope so, <laughs> definitely uh, will do, you know, a lot of things are, are they're etched in stone. They just want you to replicate what's there um, in a lot of pop music, you know. Uh, and that—that's kind of cool. I like doing that. But also, it's great when people say, "Come up with something," and hopefully, yeah, you come up with the right, the right feel, the right, um, you know, the right groove and the and the right dynamic, you know, for the song.
0: Right. Do you come from a musical family? Do you have? What no, did your parents?
1: No, yeah. do? <laughs> my my parents—they—they—they they, they weren't. Uh, no one in my family's a uh, musician. I mean, you could argue that still there isn't, because <laughs> <I, laughs> if you uh, think about the jokes about drummers. But um, yeah, no. I basically my dad played me a record by Sandy Nelson called "Let There Be Drums," and when I, when I was ten years old, and I'd never heard. I obviously music had been around me up to up to being ten, you know, but I'd never really focused on music ever. It was just. The stuff that I guess it was just around. I never really thought about it much. Um, and then my dad played me that record, and all of a sudden I was like, What's that? What's that noise? Like, what's that sound? Yeah. You know, uh, and I just wanted to do it. That yeah, really yeah. cool sound. I want to do that, whatever that is, you know. And it's like, well, it's the drums that are making that sound. Okay, I want to play the drums, wow. <laughs> you know, you know, and then that was that. And within about a year, i managed to bug them completely do Lally that they bought me a drum kit you know um and then I, then I had lessons and then here we are I'm I'm
0: still doing it <laughs> wow so you're you're sort of an anomaly in your family then yes that's, that's really amazing I um my gra- my great grandfather was a violinist <clears throat> excuse me and he was the concert master of the Radio City Music Hall wow you know so this is like 100 years ago right yeah. but um and, and I always knew that <clears throat> and my grandma his father she was an opera singer and I always knew that but what I didn't know until uh, I was in college, and and that's when I was really you know serious about being a performer and everything. What I did not know was that she had a brother who was a big band drummer in the swing era. And when she told me that, I thought, "Wow, that is like I never knew that person." But you know, so to hear you, yeah, but to hear you say you're the only one in your family, it's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, you know, my dad said that my grand my grandfather played the big bass drum in the. Like the local village band just like hit the bass drop but that's about as close as as i could get really yeah Yeah, no 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 real musicians my kids are slowly but surely getting into it so it's starting (laughs) you know
0: that's awesome the next generation is starting
1: i hope so yeah
0: yeah okay so you you hear this record drums speak to you and you are on that path so over the years who have who have been some of your bigger mentors and and what have you learned from some of these people
1: so you know, fun enough, jazz is where I started too. I, my, my music teacher at school. I was in a little jazz trio with him. Uh, so I was listening to Max Roach and Shelly Mann, and um, and then I got into Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa. And I was, you know, I was a weird teenager. I was into big band music, Woody Herman. When all of my mates were listening to Madonna, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but I really, really got into it. But then eventually, I, I kind of wanted. You know, there was, there were other drummers that were sort of pricking my ears up other than the jazz thing. I was really into it and I loved it. And I was very fortunate. My dad took me to see Buddy Rich. So I met Buddy Rich and saw him play. Wow. And I met Art Blakey and saw him play with the Jazz Messengers as well when I was 14. Wow. Um, so thank my dad uh, wow. for doing that, you know. you think That's pretty amazing. He was like a non-musician. He thought, my son's into jazz. He likes jazz drummers and he's heard some names. So he, he kind of booked it. A- he booked the tickets. It's like, wow, pretty, pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, I wanted to, I, there were other bands, all of a sudden yes was around and rush. And, and most importantly for me, the police actually. So Stuart Copeland was one that made me go, okay, I'm going to have to park these jazz guys over here a second and just have a listen to what this fella's up to. Cause I really loved it. And, and he opened the door for me for, for reggae, which is a, which is a, a genre that i really really love um uh but you know obviously stewart's reggae isn't traditional reggae but it was it was a sort of soft introduction to to what i eventually got into uh so Stuart was a biggie you know and i got into the average white band when i was younger um
0: i so got steve to see for- them at uh, ronnie scott's a few years ago
1: fantastic was, was it with steve ferroni
0: oh that's a good question it was um what year was this? It wasn't that long ago. It was in two thousand
1: eighteen. Oh. oh, if it's if it's Avid White band, probably not Steve. Then um, I don't. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Can I
0: ask you though? Uh, you're talking about Stuart Copeland. I haven't listened to this track yet, but is he also on the complete plane? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes. So we I, through Trevor Horn. Uh, we were doing some festivals one year about five six years ago, and the set the set list is made up of songs that Trevor mainly has produced and likes to play live, like Save for the Rhythm, uh, Buggles tunes, and Lol Cream from 10 C is in the band, so we do some 10 C songs. Uh, and in the set, within the set list was uh, Message in a Bottle, and I said, oh, great, we're doing that. And Trevor said, well, he said, no, you're not. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, uh, who's doing it? He said, Stuart, and I went, Stuart? <laughs> you know, who's, the, who's this Stuart guy? And he went, Stuart Copeland. I was like, Ah. <laughs> Oh, okay. So Stuart came and did like, I think we did like two or three festivals uh, with Seal and Stuart was a guest and he just came up and did a uh, message in a bottle. So Amazing. I managed I, I met Stuart then and then I've been over to Los Angeles since and with Trevor and, and I've been around to his studio and we've, we've kind of got a sort of an online you know, sort of friendship and uh, I've met him a few times and hung out a bit and I was experimenting with a particular groove that was uh, groups of five, and I and I sent it to Stuart, and I said, "What do you think of this?" And he basically came up with that the the, the backing track really of this groove that I had, um, and called it completely sane. And then when <laughs> when when Seth when Seth said, "Oh, uh, we need you to put some music out," I just reached out to Stuart and I said, "Would you mind if I stick that track of ours?" on my ep um and he's like sure so you know it's fantastic he he gave me you know the honor of having him on my uh, my ep that's um,
0: wonderful
1: yeah he played guitar bass and keyboards and everything on it uh, and didn't play drums it's the drums are me um so i'm hoping maybe in the future i can drag him to actually play kit as well with me at some point so we'll we'll see
0: oh very very cool wow yeah. um I heard you say recently that you actually don't really practice anymore at this point, or maybe it's been a while. But I was yeah. wondering, um, and I've heard other really experienced musicians, such as yourself, say that because the whole thing is, if you're playing a lot, you are yeah. getting a lot out of playing. So I'm just wondering then, what is your approach when you do a new session? How do you prepare for that? And and what what are some basics that people should know if if um, they want to do what you do as well as you do it
1: uh, you mean recording uh in their at, their at their own place or or any session any session work yeah
0: yeah well like
1: now uh the stuff that i'm working on for next week i'm I'm sketch i'm writing it out uh so and you're writing
0: out the drum part
1: yeah so i'm writing out some of the fills are very specific and they need to be they need to be right, they need to be like, basically the, the album we're doing is, is uh, the original artist, but he's redoing his songs um, and they're very famous songs. So I can't steam in and do my own drum fill. It's gotta be the one that everybody knows on the record. So <laughs> I'm, listening, I'm listening to those and I'm sketching those out and I'm actually playing, um, when I've sketched them out and, and gone around it, listened to it a few times, I will then play it on the drums and see how close I'm getting. Um, but a, but a normal session, same deal, I'll listen to the music, listen to it once or twice, um, sketch it out as far as the form's concerned. And if there's any particular things like specific drum fills or stops or dynamic changes or anything, I'll write, obviously start writing those on the chart. And I'll write a kind of chart out that, that that's good for me. Um, and then I'll play through it and see if I can you know, circumnavigate my own map <laughs> right. you know, um, and then hopefully get to a point where it's starting to feel good. And then we're ready. We're ready to go. And that should hopefully be quite quick. Okay. Um, you know,
0: so and, and you would typically always try to sketch out the part before. Yeah,
1: you... Absolutely. I do. I mean, yeah. you know, there's some great musicians. The, the bass player that's on the session next week is Pino Palladino. Oh, yeah. And Pino's one of the, the only I've asked him about it as well. He's one of the only, like, amazing musicians that I know. There's a couple. Most guys need a chord chart or they need some sort of reference. If they've just heard a song, not many guys can just hear it, like, two or three times and then go in and play it. There's there's not many, really. Right. You know, properly play it. You know, there's some guys that can go in and, like, they might make a couple of mistakes, but... But if they play it five, six, seven, eight times, well, now you're learning it. So it's a very different thing to originally going in and pretty much being able to play it after the first take with with no chart is pretty impressive. Pino's got some sort of like alien. Wow. Zen. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned Buddy Rich. I mean, and he was supposed to be one of the people who could do that, too.
1: That's right. Well, apparently he never read yeah. So he would he would he would learn the horn parts.
0: I guess like
1: we would do if we're playing with a singer. It, you know, a great thing is to learn the song. Sure. You know, try and learn the way the lyric scans, and then you'll know where you are in the song. A great one is, that I was told years ago: if you if you can sing it in your head, if you're on a live gig, for instance, as a drummer, it's a great way to get the tempo. Because yes. if it, if you can sing it comfortably, then count it off there. Yes, you know, I know that sounds really obvious, but it's amazing how many people just go, "Oh, what's this?" and they're, and they're thinking of the bass line. They're probably they might even be thinking of the drum groove. But if you can think of the vocal and where that sits, that's a great place to to count it off.
0: Sure, um, that's funny because that reminded me of the uh, you know the, the great group now, the Snarky Puppy. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so the, they just put out this uh, short clip in preparation for a new album they're going to record to kind of tease they're going to do a new recording but in the clip it's it's like maybe 60 seconds of short clips of all the musicians over time singing parts and it's so cool and I and I saw that and I thought that that makes perfect sense of course a band that good of course they're going to approach learning new music by singing it first yeah doesn't matter if we're talking about the drummer or the horn player or the percussionist They're all singing the parts first. It's, it's like, you know, tabla. Oh Indian yeah.
1: Tabla. So th- there's no notation with tabla, it's all phonetic. So you have to learn the, you have to learn all of Amazing. the like patterns. You, you, so you can basically play the tabla without touching them. You, you, it, in, and there's some great masters at it that have been doing it for years that know like so much and they've got such a vocabulary in their head uh, and it's there and they can sing it all you know and play it, it yeah and I, and I think you know I think um, it's a great tool that to sort of internalize groups and feel. yeah
0: yeah I had a teacher his whole thing was if you can't sing it you can't play it that was his yeah. whole philosophy and I, it was I, really helpful I
1: agree with that actually that's a yeah it's interesting there's yeah. just uh, there's a drum fill actually just before you buzzed me there's a drum fill that I'm working out, an intro drum fill from the 70s. So there's, it's like, it's you know, the way it starts. It's one of those drum fills, like, oh, where's one? You know, <laughs> for this artist. And I, and I, and I listen to it, listen to it, listen to it, and try to get into the head of this guy uh, that's playing it. And I'm like, okay, I think I know where he's at now. But by that point, I could sing it. Sure. And then I, and then I you know, I, well, I don't have to write it out. I, I, I know it now. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have to write
0: that particular fill out. Uh, well, Ash, I know you don't, we've got just a few more minutes here. So I wanted to yeah, make sure I asked you a few more questions. Sure. How do you, so you've been you be one of the top, if not the top call, guy to call for doing this work for a long time. So how do you decide what to say no to, but how do you decide what to say yes to at this point?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I try not, it's very difficult to say no. <laughs> I find it really, I did a session yesterday and I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. Um, and I just find it so hard to say no to anybody, really. But um, at this stage, where I'm at now, there's some really great things going on. So I have to sort of prioritise this sort of bigger artists in a way. So there's some of the things actually that I really want to do that are, you know, not so famous, actually. But I've got to do the stuff that's, that's, uh, that's coming up. Um, so it kind of dictates it it's the journey's dictated it to me now. I've got to concentrate on some bigger things at the moment. Um, but then I'm looking forward to when that's, when they're over, um, going back to some other projects that are just music, music-based music projects, you know, um, and not so much about the
0: dough. Right, it's <laughs> a wonderful position to be in too.
1: I'm in a very fortunate position here, yeah. Uh, 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 but it's taken a while, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 50s now. And I've been doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and, doing it. and, and incredibly it, it seems to still be going. I always wake up thinking, is this ever gonna, is it gonna stop at some point, you know?
0: I hope not. I hope not too. Wonderful. All right, well, uh, I will not take up any more of your time. Thank you, you so much. What a Thank pleasure. Thank you so much,
1: Mike. All right, you're a star.
0: All right, my, my Thank you, uh, sincere thanks, Ash. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Take good care of yourself. You too, bye. Bye, man, bye.